It's time for Drive-By Theology with Dr. Steve Lawson and Todd Friel. There can only be three possible reasons that you are listening to a systematic theology lecture series. Number one, you worked out some sort of plea deal with the judge. Number two, you thought this was your favorite Taylor Swift CD. Or number three, you desire to embark on the greatest endeavor of which a man or woman can partake, and that is the pursuit of God. Welcome to a drive-by theology lecture number one. My name is Todd Friel. I'm going to be your annoying host, but the man that you're also going to be hearing from a lot he is known affectionately as Dr. Metaphor. Dr. Metaphor, thank you for being with us in Drive-By Theology. Todd, it is a pleasure and a privilege, as always, to be with you. What's your real name? Stephen <laughs> James Lawson. <laughs> Social Security number? Okay. <laughs> Dr. Metaphor, you have a tendency to color things with metaphors. Well, yes, because they a picture is worth a thousand words, and they help communicate in a short space of time. So we are going to embark on a number of lectures on a on a topic that most people would say is a snoozer it's boring this is like just an academic pursuit i said that studying systematic theology is not a pursuit of knowledge it's actually a pursuit of god is my phrasing accurate absolutely in fact the word theology means the study of god he is the subject that we are studying and we are pursuing God, not just with our mind, but with our hearts, our will, our entire being. So this is the queen of the sciences, as it's been referred to in history. Theology is the ruling study over every other study there is. Not logic. No, logic yields to theology. Philosophy is more important. Philosophy, the philosophers of Athens yield to the theology of Jerusalem and where the prophets and the apostles preached. Evolutionary science is more important. No, they bow the knee to the Word of God. And the Word of God is not just designed so that we can learn a bunch of stuff, which is important, but it needs to move from just mere knowledge to understanding the Word represents God. Absolutely. It, it is the highest pursuit that any mind will ever undertake it is the knowledge of God begins in the mind, it then fills the affections with great love and reverence for God and joy in God, but it also moves the will and it transforms the life. In fact, it even brings one to saving faith in Jesus Christ as well as it sanctifies us and we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. All of this is the fruit of the study of systematic theology. So this is not an academic pursuit merely. This is to understand our maker. And yes. we're doing this through a study called systematic theology, which would be our first of many big words. What exactly is systematic theology? Systematic theology is a framework by which we take the various truths that are taught in Scripture and piece them together, almost like putting flesh on a skeleton where you have a unified body of truth. Uh, it's like taking the different pearls of Scripture, 
but putting them on a strand and making a beautiful necklace where they, they come together and you see what the entire Bible has to say about a particular topic or truth. Now, that was two metaphors in one answer. <laughs> That's very impressive. Thank you. Hence, Dr. Metaphor. <laughs> Why then, if we are doing this, we're pursuing to put the Bible in a systematic framework, why didn't God just write a systematic theology textbook instead of a Bible? Well, because the entire Bible is the unfolding story of God's redemption, uh, of lost sinners, beginning in Genesis 1 and going all the way through the end of Revelation 22. It really is an unfolding narrative. It, It is the drama of redemption. We take this story and pull out of it, uh, giving special care to what individual texts truly say in their context. We pull them together and are able to come up with an understanding of various topics that are addressed in the Scripture, but we must pull them out of the larger story. Now, that is the art and science of interpreting Scripture also. So there's some terms here that are going to dance together. Yes. Systematic theology, an orderly framework of what the Bible teaches on a given subject. But in order to figure that out, don't I need to look at the text, interpret the text, use biblical hermeneutics, which is the art and science of interpreting Scripture, in order to create my systematic framework. Yes. Systematic theology is really the fruit. The root is our exegetical study, where we dig down into individual passages of Scripture, and we make the observations, and then we apply laws of interpretation, and we derive what this text says, what God means but by what God says in individual texts of Scripture. We then pull them together, um, the various texts of Scripture on a subject, and we derive the doctrinal teaching uh, on that particular topic. So first things first, I need to do my exegesis. I need to do my interpretation first. That is the first step, and then I put them into my columns and not vice versa. Correct. All right. But at the same time, my systematic theology, which is the fruit of my exegesis and my hermeneutics, that comes first. But isn't there kind of a relationship between the two where one informs the other and I kind of go back and forth? Yes. Obviously, we do begin with our exegesis and then comprise a systematic theology. At the same time, as we look at any individual passage of Scripture, it must square with the entire rest of the Bible. In other words, the Bible speaks with one voice. The Bible never contradicts itself. And so as I look at an individual text of Scripture, I must bring the entire rest of the Bible to bear upon that text. It must uh, be consistent with and never contradict the entire rest of the Bible. So there is this volley back and forth, and both are critically important. Now, the, I think the term the Reformers would have used was the analogy of faith, that the whole Bible informs the rest of the Bible on any given subject. Yes. And the importance of this, creating a systematic theology, for instance, let's say there are 10 verses that describe a theology about the Holy Spirit that says he's a distinct person in the Trinitarian Godhead. But I'm busy, and I'm reading my Bible in my 17 hours of morning quiet time, and I come up with a verse, and I go, you know, 
I don't think that this says that the Holy Spirit is actually the third person of the Trinity. I can then look at my systematic framework and go, oops, I've got it wrong. So it corrects my exegesis of Scripture because I've got a framework in place, but I need my exegesis to create my systematic framework. Some people would say there that seems kind of circular, is it? No, it's not circular. What we're saying fundamentally is that the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. Now, the Puritans used to say, Thomas Watson, that only a diamond can cut another diamond. And by that analogy, only Scripture can truly interpret Scripture. So we use the Bible to interpret the Bible because it all hangs together, if you will. God never speaks out of both sides of his mouth. All right. Now, some people would say that you are trying to tidy up a book, and it kind of robs it of how interesting it is to read. You know, the stories and Moses and Joshua and Gideon, all that stuff. And you're kind of making it bleh. By systematizing it. Is that what you're doing? No, not at all. The Bible is the most thrilling, exhilarating, exciting book that's ever been written. There is a beautiful diversity, uh, difference of literature from stories to law to wisdom to prophecy to epistle to parable, etc. And the skill of the systematic theologian is to be able to pull out of the different kinds of genre in the Bible and to piece it all together to teach what the Bible teaches as a whole on a particular subject. Actually, it's the beauty of all the different parts of the Bible and the beauty of the different literature that makes this study actually so um, attractive to our, to our intellect. Now, there are other ways of understanding all of the theology of the Bible. This is systematic theology, mm-hmm. and some people nuts about it. Most of us are, but there's some people who are are critical of it. What are other ways of figuring out what the Bible says about itself? Sure. Well, and we've already mentioned uh, an exegetical theology, which are the individual parts of Scripture. Uh, There's also biblical theology, which all theology is biblical, but when we say the term biblical theology, we mean what is the theology of Moses? What is the theology of David? What is the theology of Paul or Jesus? Or what is the theology of Psalms? What is the theology of Romans? Uh, it is the, the theology of a, of a specific biblical author or a biblical book. There could also be uh, the theology of Paul's epistles, the 13 epistles that he wrote. So there's different uh, shades of biblical theology, whether it's by the author or by the book or by the collection of books. What about by covenants? Well, there are different covenants that are taught in Scripture. Uh, obviously, there's the Abrahamic covenant, there's the Palestinian, the Davidic, uh, the Mosaic, uh, the New Covenant, um, and how we piece those together is a covenantal approach to systematic theology. If I'm doing my covenantal theology or my biblical theology or my systematic theology correctly, am I going to be pretty close theologically at the end of the day? Yes. If your exegesis is sound, if you have sound principles of interpretation, uh, if you recognize progressive revelation, meaning truths taught at the beginning of the Bible 
there is an increasing um, light that is sophistication detail. Yes, as you work through the Bible, there is more information on that subject that is being brought to bear. You must recognize the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. There is continuity and there is discontinuity as you move from Old Testament to New Testament. Uh, You need to be aware of the different parts of the law, moral, civil, ceremonial, what parts have been fulfilled, what parts are still in effect. These are all uh, necessary skills in interpreting the Bible, and they all yield our systematic theology. And when we talk about systematic theology, the systems, the framework that we're talking about, basically a bunch of big ology words that you can use to impress friends at a party. Yes, absolutely. So, for instance, the study of systematic theology, theology is the study of God, the study of all theology about God and about man and about life. It's just the big umbrella term. Theology proper is a little bit different. What is that? Yes, that is the study of the person and the being and the attributes of God himself. Included in that is the triunity of God, uh, the eternal decree of God, uh, the essence and the being and the attributes, the perfections of God himself. So theology proper is different than theology. Theology is just everything we're going to talk about. Theology proper are the attributes, the characteristics, the nature of God versus Christology, which is? Christology is the study of Jesus Christ himself, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Pneumatology. The person and work of the Holy Spirit. Soteriology. Which is the salvation of lost sinners by the grace of God. Anthropology. That is the study of man who is made in the image of God but has been marred by sin. Bibliology. Well, that is the study of Scripture itself, the authority of Scripture, the the unity of Scripture, the perspicuity of Scripture. That's Bibliology. Ecclesiology. It's the study of the church. Eschatology. The study of last things. That is a lot of ologies, but there's another big fancy word that we need to understand that informs our systematic theology. Prolegomena. <laughs> Why? It means uh, to say beforehand. It, it's your presuppositions as you approach the subject of systematic theology. And for us, our presupposition is the Bible itself. And again, sounding circular, I'm using the Bible to prove that the Bible is what the Bible says it is. Well, uh, the Bible can bring testimony of itself. Any um, uh, defendant is allowed to testify in a court of law. So it's axiomatic. We look at it, and is it what we think that it is? And it proves itself to be supernatural. And so our prolegomena, the first things, the presuppositions, We believe it's the inspired Word of God. It contains 66 books. It's coherent. It makes sense. It's God is not the author of confusion. We are, hence all of the denominations. And so we assume all of these things about the Bible before we dive into it, recognizing that we're handling the Word of God here. Now, with that, this would not be an introductory lesson that is faithful to systematic theology if we didn't do what systematic theology does. When we try to create our frameworks and our systems, we're taking a look at all 66 books and finding all of the verses that talk about a particular topic, and then we come up with our conclusion about a particular theology. So Dr. Lawson, Dr. Metaphor, if you will, what is the biblical justification for doing what we're doing? 
Well, uh, it's what the Lord Jesus Christ himself did on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, as he explained himself to those two disciples in all the scripture. He was going through and pulling out the different pearls in the Old Testament and stringing them together to make that necklace. On Christology, because he was teaching about himself. So Jesus did a systematic theology lecture on Christology with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Absolutely. And throughout his entire ministry, he kept showing how he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. For example, in Luke 4, when he goes to Nazareth, uh, he takes Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach, etc., shows that he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. In John chapter 5, he says to the Bible scholars, you read the books of Moses because in them you think you have life, but I tell you they testify about me. So he was doing a systematic theology lesson for the Pharisees to show how he was revealed in the books of Moses. And that's exactly what Peter did on the day of Pentecost. That's exactly what Paul does in his epistles. They continue to show that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. They are piecing together what the Old Testament teaches concerning Christology, but it also affects other categories of theology because they're all interwoven. Last words of Jesus, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. So it is replete. Acts 1, 1, 1 Corinthians 14, 37, John 14, 26, John 16, 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, 2 Peter 3, 2. I'm running out of breath. Revelation 1, 1 through 3, biblical justification for doing systematic theology so that we can be smarter than everybody else in our church. Todd, let me tell you. The reason that we study theology is so that we can have the experiential knowledge of God, that we can actually know God, not just know about God, but to truly know Him in our heart and soul. You cannot get there without theology. The fact is, everyone is a theologian. Everyone has some notion or or thought about or knowledge of God. The, the issue is, do you have the true knowledge of God, or is it a false knowledge of God? And it is only the true knowledge of God, really, that is the essence of salvation and to grow in the grace and knowledge of God and of Christ. So this is not merely an academic pursuit. This is a pursuit of God. And this was Lecture 1 of Drive-By Theology.